and Eugene in Toronto and we're with Scott Free and Marcus Waller, um, two creators of an uh, upcoming musical called House Musical in Chicago. Hi guys. Hey. How's it hey. going to the agency? Hey, thank yeah. you. Welcome back, Scott. You've been yes. here before. Um, yes. Marcus, it's great to meet you and um, we're pretty excited. How would you um, describe the musical? Obviously, is it based in the history of house music? Um. Uh, not in my opinion, it's a uh, more of a story of a guy who's trying to come out with house music as a background. Okay, uh, very good. Um, well, that makes sense because house is quite classically a very supportive environment for women and gays and people of color. It was the an color. amazing experience back in the day. Uh, it, it it opened my eyes to a lot of things. I'd never seen anything like it before when I walked in the doors of that club. I, I it was wow. amazing and, and it was affirming. And uh, I felt like I, I had come home. So, oh, isn't that beautiful? That's great. <laughs> well, it's beautiful. I mean, it's a post-disco era, um, but still the techno dance era. And yeah, now my experience was that I was working in a club in Chicago and our DJ had a friend in Chicago and he gave him some house tunes. So we were one of the first places in Canada to play house music. Okay. Yeah. That's so it's um, kind of cool. Little well, side what club was that, that Candy? It was called the Diamond Club. And the DJ was uh, Jason Deco, um, a, a dear friend of mine. He passed away a couple of years ago, but a great guy and a great DJ. He had so much good music. Um, so how many characters are in this play? Scott. Uh, seven characters, and we have uh, four ensemble members. Oh, nice. Uh, um, I'm assuming they can dance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's going to be dancing, there's going to be music, and oh, a story. Yeah. It sounds incredible. Um, what kind of um, now, what kind of guy is the main character? Tell us about a couple of the main characters. Would that be something we would want to know? Do you want me to do it, or do you want to? <laughs> Do that. Go on, Scott, go on. All right, I'll describe. Well, when Marcus wrote it, it's pretty autobiographical. And uh, yeah, uh, Dwayne, Dwayne struggles with uh, his uh, family, which is, they are so homophobic that it just shuts him down. 
Mm. And then, you know, the cultural environment is horrible. And uh, it's the South Side in the, you know, mid, late 70s. And uh, so, yeah, the warehouse is uh, just an incredible experience. And he meets uh, a guy who is a, well, a budding record producer. And so that's kind of where I come into the story. It's not me, but it's uh, my friend Riley Evans, who that's how I get into house was okay. he got me involved and he introduced me to Frankie Knuckles and Ralphie Rosario and all the house folks. And, yeah. and so um, we tell his story. Uh, and at the time he had AIDS and he was open about it. He didn't hide a thing. And, you know, that's when there was no treatment or cure, nothing. Right. Um, so so we tell his story too. So it's the combining of the two stories to to make House Musical. Oh, it sounds really good. And um, how long have you been uh, rehearsing? Oh, we had some music rehearsals at my place. And then uh, the director, Deanne Walton, did some Zoom, you know, character development stuff. But we've been since March 17th. So we got, I don't know, what is it? three weeks to go and then so it's getting great yeah that's so great which leads me to the question maybe eugene um you want to know too when when is it opening and where is it playing and how do people get tickets and how do people yeah it is uh at the center on halstead in their really beautiful theater it's called the hoover leppin theater and 3656 north halstead and you can just go to the center on halstead's website and they have one of those rotating, you know, graphics. So it'll come up. And when it comes up, you can click on it. Otherwise, it's centeronhalstead.org forward slash housemusical.html. You have to put Great. the HTML in. I will definitely share that on social media, too. Okay. Um, I know Steg and I are going to go. And we'll probably get Jim <laughs> to join us, too. <laughs> Yay, I'm excited. Yes. Um, what else can you tell us? Um, it was... I can tell you about the process, although I've had reveries that Marcus can help. <laughs> but I know that I had the idea to make a musical about house music. That was, I mean, when I came up with that idea, I just went crazy because, you know, no one had ever done it before. And I had to be the first. That's how a lot of my stuff is like, I got to be the first. Yes. And, uh, but I had no plot. So <laughs> I was talking. Details. Right? It's like, oh, yeah, crap. And I was talking with Marcus, and we were just talking about the past. And then he told me how the warehouse is how he came out of the closet. And I was like, oh, my God, there's a story. There we go. So I begged Marcus, please write this, please write this. <laughs> he did beg. He did beg. Yeah. Oh, my God. Have, have, you, uh, have you written other shows before, Marcus? No, no, not at all. Yeah. I, I'm totally novice at this. Oh, um, that's fantastic. It, it just, it came so easily because it's basically my story. So <laughs> it came very, very easy. Uh, I just had never done it before. The structuring of the characters, it was, it was an interesting process. Mm -hmm. But that gentleman right there, Mr. Free, is <laughs> a hell of a guy, hell of a guy. He really is. Yeah. He really is. Very exciting. So this is, this is going to be a frontier, you know, a first for many different aspects on it. Um, I, I do love the idea. It seems that it should be written and it is still an, an under understood time period. 
and under monitored or recorded. So I always, I've out. always felt that, especially as I'm getting older, nobody is going to tell the story of this, mm. this, this era that we lived through. And um, there was so many black gay bars at, mm. in Chicago at the time, and you could fall in one and fall out the other, but you always ended up at an after hours, which was either warehouse, music box, or power plant. It just, it was just part of the the the, the bloodline. That, that it was just amazing, amazing period of time. Amazing. It is amazing. It is amazing. I I hope it uh, I hope it really buzzes. I'm looking forward to seeing it, and I'm sure it's going to be so much fun and such an interesting history. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know, aside from like my goal to be the first. Yes. Is that, you know, we're the right people to do it because we were there. Mm -hmm. And I also, I, I hate a lot of musicals because I <laughs> hate, I know, right? I hate everything. I hate <laughs> a lot of musicals because they Broadway-ish a story and they just turn mm -hmm. into this weird, you know, glitzy, mm -hmm. crazy crap. And so we kept real honest to it. Like, I mean, I was certainly afraid I hadn't written a house song in 25 years, but I was afraid, you know, can I merge the two? And I, I think I've I've done it. I think it still has the raw energy of house. And yet the songs are also telling the story. And um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, that's the other thing. I think we, we're the right people to do it, really. <laughs> Fantastic. Do you mind yeah. sharing? Do you mind sharing some of your inspiration? Um, for the well, what precedence for what kind of musical? I mean, it sounds like you're making a musical you want to see, which is a great. That's the best way to make art. Yeah, yeah. It, it it's just that I I wanted to make sure it, or we're trying to make it have the energy and vibe of the time. Yes. And um, when I talk about it from my perspective as a music producer, it, I compare it to like Beatlemania. Uh -huh. Because there was just this constant crazy buzz. It was just, oh my God, we're making records and these things are are getting played on WGCI and BMX on Friday and Saturday night. And then there, then you hear, oh my God, it's it's playing in you know Italy. It's a hit, uh, you know, the discos in Italy, and it went on the charts in London, and and you know it was crazy. And then at the same time, the rest of America completely ignored us. And Halstead Street completely ignored us. And so it was, it was a, you know, it was a strange, it was a strange time. And, and um, yeah, I think as Marcus was saying, like, there were four or five black gay clubs, either downtown or in the north side. Oh. And now there's zero. I was about and, to say, how many are there now? Yeah, right. Zero. Zero. And it, so where, think, where can you go? There's there's two clubs on the south side yeah. that are that are that are okay as right now, but it's nothing, absolutely nothing compared to what it was back in the seventies, eighties, or even nineties for that matter. Uh, it's, mean, that, it's amazing how they've just disappeared. It's, yeah. That that fits with um, club culture in general. It's something else is happening. I mean, a lot of young people are having barn parties. You know, it's not like massive, but it's not like in clubs in cities in the same way. Yeah. I mean, how yeah. many clubs are there in Chicago, period? Right, right. No, nightlife Ten? is nothing like what we had. Yeah. <laughs> nothing. nothing like even when I moved here first, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. Okay. Was, was there, back in the day, was there a fashion component to house? 
Now, I, me and Scott have talked about this, and I, I remember at the initial stages of, of going out to these after-hour clubs, we dressed up. Mm-hmm. We dressed up like we were going out somewhere. But then a couple of years down the line, it was like, you're going to be there at 3 o'clock in the morning. Who are you dressing up for? So <laughs> you just you just dressed to dance. The thing was just getting in there right. and dancing your ass off and and leave, and coming out of there feeling free. For me, I felt like a different man when I walked out of there. It was like, I didn't care about the the homophobia. I didn't care about anything. Mm-hmm. It was just a nonstop dancing for four and five hours of the night and leaving out of there when the sun came up and sometimes 10, 11 o'clock the next day. Wow. Beautiful. And you know, the, the aesthetic, aesthetic of house was very different. Like I know a lot of people, they'll go to a club and, you know, they are waiting to hear their favorite new pop song that just has a little DJ remix underneath a couple extra beats. Whereas with with House, you just went to experience the whole thing. You just wanted to be in the music and you, you know, it, you surrounded yourself with that music. And it was uh, it was just an experience for that. It wasn't like going to hook up with people or anything. It was just to be there in the music itself. And that's that's what made it so powerful. Uh, it sounds like it was a great scene. Yeah, it was. It was. and you guys are totally infectious talking about it. I want to <laughs> get my ass over to Chicago to see the show. I know. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh my God, we're so excited. <laughs> well, I guess part of the ethics of um, house music is love. Not oh. not that different than techno and rave and and the dance club scene where you know. Open and, you know techno, techno and rave really just came out of house yes. from kind of by way of Detroit was yes. you know kind of the path that. Yeah. Look, and Derek Saunders was one of the first ones, but that was right there in the in the house era. Mm-hmm. All those subgenres happened really uh, very quickly. Yes, you know, deep True. house and acid house, and they all just kind of sprung up, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm break a leg. Best of everything. I'm looking forward to it, and I'm so pleased that you took the time to come and tell us about it. And I hope our listeners in the Chicago area will get their butts out and go see it and support you. Yes, April 20th to April 30th. At All right. the Thank, you. Yeah. Thank yes. you. All right. All right. So listeners, get out there and report back. Tell yes. us all about it. Yes. <laughs> and thanks, right. guys, Thank for coming guys. on. We really appreciate it. Oh, no uh, problem. My pleasure. Scott, great to see you again. Marcus, yes. great to meet you. you. Same and here. Good luck with the rest of your workout and working towards it. I know you guys yes. are busy. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Take care. Hi. Bye. Talk with uh, the House Musical fellows, Marcus and Scott. And I want to just close off their um, their segment with, they mentioned the warehouse as being where Frankie Knuckles started and a lot of house music started, Eugene? Yes. I just found a little write-up here, and I thought I'll just briefly read it for anyone who wants to donate or maybe sign a petition. I mean, signing a petition will help put pressure on saving this building. So a petition has been launched to prevent the demolition of a building which formerly housed the beloved Chicago nightclub, The Warehouse. The venue, which closed many years ago, had the honor of hosting Frankie Knuckles as a resident DJ in its early days with his sets making it a beloved spot for Chicago's Black LGBTQ plus community. He would play soul, R&B, disco, gospel, and electronic sounds in his set, with the combination of those sounds eventually going on to form the foundation's early house music. 
The term house music itself takes its name as an abbreviation of warehouse music. When Knuckles left his role as resident in 1982 to open his own club, Power Plant, Warehouse rebranded as Music Box and brought in another iconic DJ to play regularly, Ron Hardy. The building in which the club was based is split across three stories at 206 South Jefferson Street in Chicago's West Loop area. A note on the petition page, however, notes that Quote, despite its extraordinary role in music and cultural history, the warehouse has zero protections against alterations or demolition. The building was sold in December, and while the listing mentioned its history as the home of the warehouse, it also noticed, noted its potential for demolition and new development, amid various other similar industrial buildings in the area being bought up for such purposes. So the Preservation Chicago has been trying to approach ownership and change this. We'll share some links on our Facebook page um, of how you can sign a petition, okay? And, um, you know, like all the big cities, Chicago wants to be like New York and LA and tear down and build and get more and more condos and change. More condos, that sounds like Toronto. It, that's what I'm saying. This little complex of being a, you know, one of those cities, a boutique city like London and New York and L.A. <laughs> Chicago wants that, too. All right. Boutique. How are you doing? Doing well. Hey, I had an interesting interaction with uh, with a help desk yesterday. Oh, God. We haven't been able to get on our uh, Apple TV Plus subscription. OK. I haven't been able to cast it onto the TV oh, and yeah. the last few days. And when I've tried. It instead of having play, it it gives me free trial. Click here, <laughs> right? But if I click free trial, it says you have a subscription to this. Yes. So I then it would prompt me to sign in, and I would sign in, and it would let me sign in, and then on my phone it would go bing, and it would give me a six-digit code mm -hmm. but there is no place to plug in the six digit code <laughs> oh, it's God. just like a, a phantom code yeah. so i was getting like super frustrated with this because easy technology that doesn't work is my kryptonite I it know. makes me completely insane yeah. and while i'm letting it totally get to me <laughs> sheila of course <clears throat> does the the natural thing um she calls apple support mm -hmm. that's a good idea yeah. And then hand the phone to me. Uh, and the, the the fellow said, hi, this is Roy at Apple Support. How can I help you today? Yeah. And was he sounded to me like he wasn't human. Yeah. He's a robot. Maybe he was a robot. So yeah. I said, Roy, are you a human or are you a bot? Mm -hmm. And Roy said, funny you should ask that. Lately, <laughs> several people have been asking me, if I was a bot, but I'm pretty certain that I'm a human. Wow. I'm, in fact, I'm absolutely certain I'm human. Uh, and uh, how can I help you? So I said, well, if you're human, what city are you in? Mm -hmm. And he said, well, if you can believe it, I'm in Portland, Oregon. I can believe it. <laughs> in Portland, Oregon. I hear that's a really, really cool city to live. And we had, we had a nice little conversation about yep. Portland, Oregon. And then He's asking me all the questions and I'm going through what happens and he's going, hmm, that's unusual. Hmm, mm -hmm. 
that's unusual. Well, your your subscription is paid for and everything should be working. Uh, I'm going to ask you to, to do something. It's highly technical, but if you would give it a try, I'd appreciate it. So oh, I said, God. for you, Roy, anything. Yeah. He said, I want you to power down your phone mm -hmm. and then I'd mm -hmm. like you to power it up again. <laughs> so I said, Roy, I'm going to try that. So I powered down my phone and I powered up my phone again and I tried the uh, the Apple Plus and of course it worked perfectly well. Wow. Everything was cured. I said, we've witnessed a miracle, Roy, in our own time. <laughs> you have done it. And he said, you know, sometimes when things are really weird, you just power them down and power them back up again. Miracles happen. Wow, what a! So I what said, Roy, you are my favorite person today. Thank you so much. He's my favorite robot. <laughs> he was, he was great, and he was definitely a human. Yeah. But he had that kind of robotic edge to his voice, right? Um, but uh, uh, it was really, I rarely have positive calls with help desks. Usually, they're my other kryptonite. They drive me completely insane, and yeah. they get me. If there's any anger in my soul, they mine it. Yeah, um, but I understand. I couldn't be angry with Roy. He was just a charmer. And uh, so thank you, Roy, over in Portland, Oregon, for helping me out with my <laughs> Apple TV. That's awesome. Well, I find Apple um, assistants are some of the very best. Also, all of my TV, anything to do with my TVs, have been the most awesome service. They must really understand how addicted we are to our, our cable and our TVs and that we are losing it. It's the worst thing when you've got a day off and you just want to watch TV or chill and it doesn't work. You're like, no! <laughs> the Kingston Cable Caller. I wish I could find that recording so we could play it on our podcast. A famous um, recording that went viral before you were able to do viral on computers of a guy who went home a and... Pre-viral viral. A pre-viral viral, yeah. Did yeah. you know, I saw something on social media yesterday. A it's sort of just cold. a cold if it's pre-viral. Yeah, that's true. It's just a cold. <laughs> Although cold. I'm sorry, viral. I interrupted you. Nothing, nothing at all. I'm, I'm just thinking, Um, I noticed a little article yesterday on social media that said older people can are having trouble distinguishing between bots and humans. And so they are vulnerable to scams and frauds. And, uh, I thought that was interesting. And it just reminded me when you said you weren't sure what he you're was. You're saying I'm getting old. Is that I'm what you're not, saying, Candy? Oh, no, I'm saying you could tell the difference. <laughs> yes, but I had to ask. Yeah. What would happen if you asked a bot if they were? I have asked. I have said I wanted to speak to a human on those things. And um, those things. And they do often say an assistant will take longer than me helping you. Well, it's interesting. We're seeing some countries now... <laughs> are putting the brakes on AI development uh, because yes. uh, it's being developed at such a breakneck pace with no regulation around it. Mm -hmm. And um, there's potentially all kinds of dangers. Right. And you know what? They probably were listening to our podcast where we're dead against it. <laughs> probably. Um, probably that because, was it. Because I think the issue is, and it's hard to tell anyone who's really into these First of all, I don't think the writing programs or the art programs are AI. But I may have some weird understanding of artificial general intelligence. I think the, the field of it was, let's say the circle was three feet by a diameter of three feet. Every time something's invented, 
or or studied or researched within the AI and it gets functioning, it's turn it's it's deemed not AI. Do you know what I'm saying? It's a process of elimination to get to I'm the- I'm not really sure that I understand what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, I know. I'm having a hard time. I don't know why. I understand it this way. Um, every time something is developed and it's aiming for um, sentient being, let's say, because I would call artificial intelligence having a sentience. Um, and it, every time it doesn't make that, it's not AI. I'm not, I'm not sure I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, uh, artificial intelligence is- uh basically uh applications that that have machine learning right and machine in other learning. words they can they learn on their own and they could they can adapt and become uh stronger yeah i don't think they necessarily have to be sentient right um i guess the the crossover would be so um would be able to perceive itself which would be a part of sentience but um yeah, I, I I know what you mean, but to me, machine learning is a metaphor for a computer program. We're already using computer programs. I don't... Oh, but most computer programs don't learn. They, they're written with a basic set of codes, and no matter what you do, they will respond with the same programmed responses. They won't invent new responses. True. I agree with you there. I, I get that part. I'm thinking so AI. More, well, AI, AI could develop more, its own knowledge base by going through what it has. It can only find what it already has in. No, no, that's not so at all. Uh, let's look at, for instance, um, when uh, DeepMind developed the the AI behind <laughs> uh, uh, AlphaGo. Right. Um, they they initially created versions of it that started with a database that started yeah. with yes. human yes. learning. Yeah. But in a later version, they, they created an AI to which all they offered it was the rules. They didn't yes. offer a single bit of data or a single game played by a human. Mm -hmm. And within 24 hours of playing against itself millions of times, uh, this, program managed to or this ai managed to become better than any human in the history of ever mm -hmm. okay without having any little bit of of data or uh human games or examples or anything like yeah. that okay i'm hearing that i'm hearing that in the same way i would still say that that was i, I would say that tells us more about us than than the programming um and and i guess I, it's just maybe a question of me really figuring out what i'm um how to word this but that tells me much more about humans and how we use our brains than it tells me about a machine programming um i expect to to put the rules in um that's how you innovate and humans do it too right just look at the rules and then go forward um and what happens is humans don't sometimes don't do that they get caught up in the little details whereas a computer program might have the option of not having the ego or the personality to block them they they have a slight advantage so if a person could look at the rules and go kind of transcend that personal part they could probably get access to that 
No, I, I mean, think if you were to take a person yeah. and tell a person, any person, even someone who would turn out to be supremely talented, say yeah. at Go, yeah. that um, this these are the rules to Go, you're not to look at any human games. Yeah. Now we're going to play you against, I don't know, either the greatest human or the greatest uh, AI um, and you can play games for the next 24 hours, how strong are you going to become? Not and I'm going to say the human's not going to get very strong at all. True. The human okay. it would take years to, to build that that level of, of strength and would require all kinds of games and study and examples. But right. the AI is able to do it without any of those things and do it in a remarkably fast time because it can play games against itself at extremely fast speeds well therein lies some potential for um for the the benefit i mean human beings need time you're right they need time that's how you acquire because you're not just getting the you don't we don't just want the rules so that's that's a great point because we don't just want to follow the rules we want to be able to um innovation comes when you don't follow the rules when you do something different and um, maybe I and obviously these um, game programs have an advantage because they're able to process, go right what would take us time. What the machine doesn't get so far is any kind of virtue, for lack of a better word. I don't want to use virtue, um, but um, side benefits. We haven't we we have yet to figure out what are the side benefits that any kind of machine learning or AI would get. And if it's- yeah, I think a lot of that's that. been being worked on. I mean, the ones that we see and that are all over the news are the chatbots. Yeah. And they're yeah. immediately irritating because who wants a better chatbot, really? Well, I mean, who true. wants any chatbot? That's the whole well, point. It's yeah, like, we don't need any of them. But it's a solution for a problem we haven't invented yet. Yeah, I wonder, I know. It's really chatbot is mostly- um, like an encyclopedia. And I mean, a lot of, you know, just like Google's like a weird encyclopedia in a way. Well, not, I think not just an encyclopedia. I think what you're you're going to see um, now, I think the new Outlook uh, or or the new, um, uh, the new word processing programs, whatever they are, yes. um, are, are now going to be able to have um, AI facilities so that you can, instead of thinking, oh, I need to set up a PowerPoint and then I have to set up a series of graphs uh, based on this data that's going to go in the in the PowerPoint. Uh -huh. You're going to be able to give this mm -hmm. uh, AI or this program mm -hmm. um, a set of instructions like analyze the data and create me um, some graphs that are going to help me explain it in PowerPoint format. And you're not going to have to do that work. Right. I oh, think that's, I can't, that, I can't that's what the innovation those. is going to be immediately. I can't wait to watch those. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, just so riveting. I just don't think we need them. We don't need them. And the 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 other issue, you know, I'm very fascinated by um, distributed cognition. This is where I'm trying to go with this. And um, memory. And the fact that the theory is that our mind lives in the objects around us. When we're giving certain aspects of our practice to a program, 
what are we losing? Never mind the horror stuff. I'm just talking about the most simplest thing. Um, I, and I'm sure that there's nothing wrong with the grammar or the writing of a chatbot essay or conversation. They're, they're fine. It's just that it's completely prosaic. It's exactly what you would find on Wikipedia or, you know, five minutes of your own copy and paste. You could do what chatbot's doing. Because chatbot's just doing the copy and paste before you rip off a thing. And it's not... It's doing it at a remarkably... i got to give it to them. It's doing it at a remarkably sophisticated level. It's not the same as it was a year ago. No, no. Right? I, it's not I, even I nearly the same. Like it's, I agree with that. There's a profound difference. Yeah. Um, I would just argue that the net result, the unintended consequences mm. of this... Mm -hmm. uh, are going to be, we're going to need less people working in the office yes. because this is going to do all those tasks so fast. Mm -hmm. Oh boy, isn't that great? We can now run this business more profitably um, and we don't have to have so many jobs. That's and let's, exactly. let's just take that to the nth degree. Now we don't have any jobs. We have AIs that are running everything for us and nobody can even buy the damn computers because they don't have any work. So we organize a society to say, let's all give ourselves some jobs and let's find a way in which we can make that function in some kind of societal unit. Well, and now we're saying, now let's take away the job part of it. Why? Right. For our convenience. Yes, I get but, that part. But what what the hell is good is our convenience if if we can't take part in in the engine of our society? Well, the engine of our society would want to do universal income, and it better be a decent thing. Um, are there's still going to be jobs, but what kind of jobs are they going to be? And you know, I get the part about saving jobs, um, and that I'm glad you brought that up because who would who who right now is benefiting from this is corporate, is corporate world. This is perfect for corporate world. I get that, and I mean, this is what you want. This is the kind of culture you want. Okay, fine. We already know the offices have been empty for two or three years. They're going to continue to be empty. So what do we do with those buildings? Give free housing? I mean, there there should be a backup. So one of the reasons why to freeze the, the research or is one, because we should live with the, um, we should analyze what the, like you said, is this going to um, get rid of jobs or do we need to open up new job markets? Do we need those offices filled with um, home life for people who are lower income or don't have those jobs? I don't know. I mean, I'm just throwing out this kind of weird thing. That is one part. The, um, it's the just going to be more people living on the subway. More people living on the subway, more people living on the street. And um, that that is definitely a potential um, effect of, of getting rid of jobs. Definitely. Obviously, there will be other jobs or some other. Or not. Or, or, or maybe or not. there won't be. Maybe, maybe we'll convenience ourselves to the point where none of us have work anymore. Right. Which would be one factor if there was no work anymore and we just, how do you rent cars? How do you buy cars? How do you buy TVs? How do you buy all the great stuff we want to have to have AI? Or do you have a hobby culture where everyone's doing a hobby and, but they can't buy their supplies for a hobby. I mean, it, it is, exactly. that part is like a weird part of it for sure. Then the right, And there's going to be 11 people with, with 65 bazillion gazillion dollars 
left in the world. And we're just going to have like a bigger and bigger gap until there's just like a dozen people and then everybody else, <laughs> you know, wallowing in shit. Well, the other thing is one of the ways that we develop character and become people that are ethical and compassionate is, yes, how our parents raise us, but it's through our life experiences and through the things we build and make and uh, and work. A work environment is more than just money. It is a place to see people, uh, problem solve, conflict, um, avoid, and all of those things. It's all of those skills. Um, you know, maybe part of the reason people are more rude and more angry is because they don't have to practice any manners. You just hang up on that robot call. You don't, you, it says goodbye. And most people are probably going to hang up. I say goodbye because I don't want to forget to say goodbye. <laughs> so I say goodbye to the freaking robot. I don't know. I, I have to uh, interject here for yeah. just a second. Just in case um, everything goes black, yes. uh, we have a thunderstorm approaching. Uh -oh. I don't know if you could hear the uh, the rolling thunder I did not uh, hear coming it. from outside the window. And so it's going to be, it already this morning hailed and it poured and it's gotten super dark here and I'm hearing oh, thunder. Geez. So if everything just goes black, be patient. Okay, sounds good. Hey, you know what? I think I told you I've been picking up some extra shifts. I've been working a lot. That's why I haven't seen some stuff. Uh, two things have happened. One, I have done this, the craziest thing, probably the most controversial thing I can think of, is I canceled Netflix, Prime, and HBO. And those are things that everybody watches. <laughs> so in the, since December, I haven't had them. And everybody's like, well, did you see this? Did you see this? I'm like, no. Because I've got like, I had tens. Um, I would I would call it um research and development for the podcast i would too but i'm also i have i have 10 streaming things i'm no lack of watching just stuff. the wrong ones obviously well <laughs> yeah yeah i mean well it's called diversity <laughs> i'm yes, checking out true. other stuff and you know our crossover between you and i is um apple tv so that's good but um the other thing is that I've been doing these odd jobs, and one of them is at a boutique spa hotel where I am at a gate where I open up a gate for after the the clients check in, the guests check in. I make sure I've got their drive their um, license plates and the description of their car because the people in the hotel it's just a double security. It's um, it's only it's a small campus. And it's cute as a button. You know what it looks like? I have to drive around in a golf cart just to kind of check if things are going well. Like uh, a guest left their, their hatchback wide open in a rainstorm. They had no idea they left it open. I think they were so excited to get to their groovy little hotel room that they just forgot to close it. So, you know, then we got it closed. Um, so stuff like that. And uh, maybe if there's takeout food, I might, you know, let the Uber driver in. Um, so it looks a bit, when I'm driving around the golf course, you will understand this, I feel like I'm on the set of The Prisoner. Because mm -hmm. it's all these little boutique houses, it's built about 45 years ago. It started out as um, one hotel room, one little cabin with a jacuzzi in it, back 45 years ago. And it wow. was never unbooked. It was so popular that they just started building more of them. So it's a little campus and they've got 40 little buildings with saunas, a jacuzzi, and some of them have a swimming pool in them. And they range in the from rooms. In the rooms. 
So you just like roll out of bed and, and dive in. Yes. Well, no children are allowed, which tells you two things about this facility. Um, one, we don't have lifeguards in the room, so we can't have children. And the guests must sign a, a waiver to that they're not going to sue if they uh, fall in the pool. And it's only two people per building. So this is a romantic, sexy getaway. <laughs> ah, that's it. So it's so a every, sex hotel. Well, a love hotel. A love hotel. And everyone that comes in is very happy and excited to get there. It's so cute. And I'm sure that's why they left their hatchback up. <laughs> well, yeah, because they were excited to get some. To get some. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, I'm really enjoying it. I absolutely love it. It's just a couple nights a week, but it's kept me very busy. And I've had to adjust my whole schedule. And I drive home at one o'clock in the morning. The Kennedy Expressway has been under construction. If I take that, it's about 35 minutes. If I take the regular streets, it's about just over an hour. So I take the, I've been experimenting, but I've been going home on the Kennedy. So the other night I'm driving and it's not too busy. It's, it's 1.15 in the morning. And all of a sudden in the closed lanes, a car is, I'm going 60. It's 55 miles an hour, and they're going at least 70. The next thing I know, they do a Tokyo Drift. Do you know what that is? No, I have no idea. It's where you oversteer. You intentionally oversteer. It could happen accidentally, and you go sideways. You've, you've Oh, like the Rockford Files. Correct. Yes, or like the Fast and the Furious. It also has some other nicknames. We're not going to get into those terminologies. But, um, but Tokyo Drift is when you do this side or oversteering. It was in Grand Prix... Um, manga car, uh, car, there was a manga trend in the 90s with the Tokyo Drift, and it's put into a means. Anyway, he goes over. I don't know what the hell is happening. And where does he go? Right in front of me, about 50 feet ahead of me, across all the lanes and into the, um, the barrier, the cement barrier that's there while they do construction. And I am starting to, I put my hazards on, put my brakes on, and he is skidding his whole side of his car is along the cement. And he, and I'm pressing the brakes, looking to see who's behind me, if I can get out of the way. And he's still going towards me, headed right towards me. We both stopped about six feet away from each other. Wow. He's facing me head on. And I was like, oh my God. And the cars, an Uber pulls up behind me and then a couple of cars all line up. I've got my hazards on. And I can see him kind of rouse and move the car around. And I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get the fuck out of here. And I wasn't sure if I was allowed to. I, if he had touched me, I would have been in a car accident, right? And maybe hurt. But um, what did hurt was my arms from breaking so hard. <laughs> the adrenaline. I broke carefully, wow. too. I broke. Good thing I I, I, I love driving. Um, so then I just pulled out and got the hell out of there. And he pulled out right away. And went back into the lanes that were under construction and just sat there. And I was like, yeah, you better just sit there. You're going to be fucked up tomorrow. Because whatever I was feeling, the whole side of his car was scraped. And um, it was, I've never seen anything like it. And I've never experienced anything quite like that. And I hope I never do again. That was my excitement. And That it, sounds scary. It was very scary. And then when I went further on, um, he had kind of a muscle car. It's kind of a nice looking car, actually, but it's going to have at least a couple thousand dollars of damage along the sides of it. All the paint is scraped off and like, you know, scraped. And when I went about 500, when I got going, I, I wanted to speed so badly just to get out of there. I was like, I don't want them to think I'm going to report them or anything. I just want out of there. 
Um, there was another car, very similar make and model, parked up ahead with their lights flashing. And I couldn't help but feel that these two people were racing on the construction highway in the middle of the night. Ah. That's all I can think about, and that he lost control. Well, I had a scary experience, too. You did? I did. Sheila talked me into going to see Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> Um, honor uh -oh. among thieves. It uh -oh. has an, it's, it has a tagline. In case you couldn't figure out what it's going to be about, it's Dungeons and Dragons. Honor, honor among thieves. thieves. Yeah, a kids movie. It's I guess it is a kids movie, and I think there are, in fairness, there are audiences who will enjoy it. Very uh, kind of you. Very kind I, of you. I think there are lots of you know <laughs> those people who like magic. Special effects, Children. corny humor, and and happy teams that get together to accomplish goals. Uh -huh. So it's in that way, it's like Scooby Doo without Scooby, <laughs> or like Johnny Quest without Johnny Quest, or like um, I don't know, B -B -B Benny and the Jets. Yeah, it's like it's like a little adventure group um, in a Dungeons and Dragons environment. That can sometimes do magic stuff and that have witty repartee with one yes. another. I thought at one point it was just plain the worst movie made in the last 30 years. <laughs> but I'm thinking actually it's not. It's just I don't understand the genre. Yes. It's, and you're not like, into so dragons. I can't I I can't uh lots of people were clearly loving it. Yeah. Some of the critics think, oh, it's such a fun movie. Aww. So it wasn't a fun movie for me, right. but it's my fault. It's I'm I'm incapable of that kind of fun. Well, uh, it's like there's going to be movies like that for me where it's just maybe too much. I don't know what it is. I'll tell you next time I don't like a movie. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I have my kryptonite too of movies. I'm just like, I don't, I didn't like the premise. I didn't like this. But sometimes if a movie's like that and it's, it grabs you, you can kind of go beyond the genre. But that that sounds very much like it's for people who are fans of the game Dungeons and Dragons from about for sure. the 80s. Also for kids yes, and for, for people kids. who like all the marble stuff because yes. they like stuff to blow up and turn yeah. into dragons and yeah. and, and like fantasy, that. Fantasy um, animals. But, but the, you know, open-minded Eugene thinks, yeah, it's just not my jam. Yeah. Uh, but close-minded critical Eugene says, "Oh man, that was Soma, <laughs> right? It's okay. like it's it's got all the all, everything that you need to just kind of you you get enough of that <laughs> sort of input, and then you just float through the world. Yeah. So that's critical Eugene, and shame on him. We don't we don't listen to critical oh. Eugene. Oh. We listen to the new and improved open-minded Eugene, who says right. critical Eugene doesn't know shit." He just he just has no sense of humor, and you know he can't be open minded enough to to enjoy this. Well, so, it's okay. You know what? It, it really is for specific family kids that really are into that stuff. I yeah, think. and I think people really did like it. Oh, good. So, okay. And so I that was that. That was that's what I took for the team. Right. Well, you took one for the team, and I think there's other kids' movies that if you happen to be watching them, you know what a kid movie is. What's good about a kid movie is if you go with a ten year old. It's one of the world's best experiences on the planet. Um, I used to, you know, when you go with your your kid who's about 10 and they are giggling their ass off at stuff. I remember seeing um, 
oh, many, many movies where, you know, the kids are going nuts laughing. It's infectious. But if you know the kid, you know what I mean? Like if it's mm-hmm. somebody in your family or something. But um, yeah, it's not for everyone. And there's some There are some movies. kids' movies I like. I was gonna for say- instance, one of my very favorite movies of any genre yeah. is uh, My Coming Neighbor Totoro. Oh, yes. uh, which That's is true. clearly a kid's movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. But clearly. nonetheless, I often find myself singing to myself, Totoro, Totoro. <laughs> and, you know, and I could watch that a hundred times in a row. Yes. No yes. problem at all. Yes. And um, I think you'd like Turning Red. I think you'd like Spirited Away. There's just so many. But, you know, that's a whole <sighs> different ballgame. Yeah. Too bad. Too bad. Well, speaking of Dungeons and Dragons, we've had a lot of excitement around here. It's been an amazing day yesterday for the United States. Um, Wisconsin went liberal after 15-year drought of a union-breaking cabal in Wisconsin. They voted for a Democrat yesterday. They elected a Democrat. It's unbelievable. It changes a lot of energy. I mean, I guess I'm not surprised because considering all the problems that happen in Kenosha and everything, people are going to try something different, you know. And Chicago yesterday um, had a very tight mayoral race. Um, They had said it was head to head, but actually the person who won um, was about almost 20,000 votes ahead. It's not very many. Not many people voted. Maybe 200,000 people in Chicago voted. It was a ridiculously low. That's um, often the case eh? here too for municipal politics. Yeah. Very, very poor voter turnout. But somebody I feel positive about did get the mayor position. And um, last week, Bernie Sanders got together with this person to show support. And at that point, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess this is going to happen, you know. Um, And seemed to have even maybe mentored him a bit. We've got the mayoralty race going on here. That'll happen the election will happen in June since uh, John Tory resigned after his little sex scandal. Right. Uh, right. We we have more people running, I think, than we've had in a mayoralty election. There's oh, probably more people running than are running like craft breweries in Toronto. That's like, that's a lot of that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, and now, for instance, Frank D'Angelo is running. Do you know who Frank D'Angelo is? I don't think I do. He's a guy who he wanted to be a filmmaker. And so he got funding and he started making films and he hired people like James Caan to be in his films. And then he decided he wanted a talk show. So he was getting funding from that couple who were murdered, Barry and Honey Sherman. Oh, yes, I know who you A few mean. years ago. Yes. Well, uh, Barry Sherman was funding this guy, Frank, I oh, think. Oh, my God. And um, he had his own talk show. <laughs> yeah, and he would get, uh, Al Pacino was on his talk show. Really? Yeah, and it's just because he wanted one. Uh-huh. You know, it's just, uh-huh. he's just set himself up. Oh, and, and I want Al Pacino stuff. to so, come on our show. <laughs> he's an entrepreneur. We should ask Frank to come on. He's, Frank, no, Al his, Pacino. You know what his talk show is called? What? It's called Being Frank. Oh. I'm not even making it up. It's it's really spectacular. Wow. So we got Frank uh running. We've got uh we've got the counselor that everybody on council hates running, Josh Matlow. I don't know why they all hate him, but they do. Um there's uh, a liberal MPP, Mitzi Hunter is running. 
there's all kinds of people running. There's so many people running, but I've yet to see a candidate. The former police chief Saunders is running. Well, that's uh, there's a, a, a former Toronto Sun columnist is running. It's like all kinds of people, but none of them are reaching uh, reaching out to my brain and saying, hey, this is the guy. This is the guy right. who's, who's the right thing for this city. I haven't seen anyone. Is Olivia Chow running? Uh, there's been some talk of of pulling her out of retirement to oh, run, oh. but that talk I don't think has been that serious. Okay. You know, I think there's some people have set up a committee to get her to run. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I'm not expecting that to happen. Uh, and have... I don't know if that would be a good thing or not. Right. I guess I, you know, you always wonder why there aren't more mentees that have been, you know, under the, who's been under her wing and under, you know, they're not supposed to say what party they go for, right? Is that correct? Well, not only that, party politics is tremendously destructive in, in municipal politics, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they're because, all with the party. They're all with a party. Because most municipal functions most yeah. municipal functionaries are administrators and yeah. um when you start to politicize that then you you create what we have in our city council which is divisions within the city council that fall along party lines that don't exist in municipal politics right i agree and so you'll say oh this guy is a progressive or this guy is a right. conservative um i don't think that it's it's really all that helpful no, you really want someone who will fill potholes, right? <laughs> well, seriously, I think that's a good chunk of the job. Uh-huh. Now, obviously, some of it has to do with vision. And, you know, we had, we're just coming off a mayor who, in my opinion, didn't have a vision for the city. Mm-hmm. He was a guy who had a vision for being a mayor. The yeah. mayor is someone who works hard, goes to all the functions, yeah. uh, always is is shows up and has something to say. Right. Um, but he really became a fa- the fast-talking mayor who didn't say anything about anything, uh, who wasn't making a lot of decisions, and who wasn't going to leave a very visionary uh, legacy in the city. So I don't think it's bad to have a mayoralty election by any means. Mm-hmm. I'm just not seeing a standout candidate yet. Yeah. You know, first of all, if you're a, a, a current sitting councillor, that's like, in my mind, that's just about disqualifies you <laughs> because I don't want any of those people as my mayor. Right. They're just not strong enough. Right, I want right. someone, first of all, who's got enough um, enough kind of personal power and charisma to be noticed because you want your mayor to be noticed, don't you? Yes, but I think all, I think part of the problem is... Of course, Rob get, Ford did that too. You get people who believe in privatizing a city. And that is the death of a city. That's, it's, you know, very, very bad. Mayor Mel Lastman was probably one of the worst mayors ever on the planet. He was a pretty bad mayor for sure. And he was the mayor um, when when we amalgamated. Yes. Um, They thought they were making a really, a really strong business decision by amalgamation. But in the fullness of time, it isn't clear that in spite of the difficulties and the costs of doing it, that we're any better off for it. Well, at the time, we had already learned from other cities doing megacities that it was a bad idea. That That's what was so stupid, was other cities had already said, 
don't go, don't go. It's like AI. Take a break. Take a break. Find out. Well, what they, the I mean, is. the amalgamation says the same thing as as the AIs. Let's make less jobs. Yes, yes, exactly. And things like suburbs should pay more taxes. They should pay fair taxes because they're using the downtown core. They're coming in as tourists. Anyways, anyways, that's all boring stuff, you know. So, um, yeah, well, I'm glad you got a mayor that you're seeing some uh, positive hope for. You know, it's you know now the, the, the problem that we have here is um, Ford created, our premier, uh, Dougie yeah. Ford, created strong mayor powers. So now he thought he had four more years of John Tory. So he gave the mayor strong mayor powers, which means that in some situations, the mayor can make decisions without the full support of council. Uh, that well, a really that he was, mayor. I think, confident with his uh, with with Tory in place at the results of that. Well, now it's a there's strong mayor powers, but who knows who's going to get elected? Mm -hmm. I have no idea. I can't even tell you who the the front runners are going to be at this <laughs> stage of the game. I really don't know. Yeah. Uh, so far, I haven't seen anyone. Who's impressed me more than the guy I voted for last time? Yeah, which was a city planner named Penalosa. Yeah, I didn't know very much about him either, but he didn't seem any better or worse than the other guys. Well, what's interesting about this guy Brandon Johnson, who was just elected last night, was that he has a master's in teaching. He's tight with the teachers' union, so he's not going to be trying to bust down unions a, a real problem happened a few years ago i i really liked rahm emanuel he his the character josh on west wing was based on rahm emanuel but he closed down a, a ton of schools and then these kids were going to rival gang schools and it was became very dangerous and instead of repairing the schools and really the schools should have been repaired and kept open uh so that was one step that was his first mistake and then Lori lightfoot of course was the mayor during COVID. And whether you like her or not, that's a shitty job for anybody. Nobody signed up for being in a pandemic, you know? And well, um, sure. now I think there's some hope with Brandon Johnson. He seems rather likable. He seems like he's um, willing to listen to others. I think that when, when Bernie Sanders uh, got together with him, I thought that showed that he was really willing to... Um, to think about other, you know, extend his ideas and his um, vision, as you would say. So I'm pretty excited about that. And maybe that he's also compatible with, with Bernie Sanders. So that is very exciting. Because you know I was a Bernie bro. And um, so we'll see. We'll see. The problem with politics is that every political machine is frozen. It's so difficult to do too many things. And in Chicago, it seems like it's a bit of a con job you know it has a well, major thunderclap there could you hear that no i could not oh okay maybe it won't come out on the recording <laughs> i don't know but it was really loud really i didn't yeah. hear it i was talking it's been like a constant roar outside and it's pouring down rain now so we did have a request that a question really if we might be doing a whole episode on succession in the future and I said, it's very possible. I would put it up to you. Uh, one of our listeners and friends of the podcast, Zach, asked that if we might be doing a whole episode on succession. Well, I would like to do a panel discussion on uh, on succession. That's a great I idea. think it would be great to do an episode where we could invite 
say three or four or five people to come on. We'll set up a great big Zoom call and then have one person as uh, an MC and as a moderator so that we could say, okay, uh, Joe Schmo, what do you think about this? As opposed to everybody just talking at once. That's a great idea. Okay, well, I'm going to write that down, a round table with an MC. And the question is, what is the right point to do it, do we do it well while this season is still running, or do we do it after the fact? I know that's a tough one. It's a really tough. I think one. we should do it soon. Well, I'd have to get my HBO back on. <laughs> yes, you would have to do that. All right. Well, I I I don't have time this week. I hope next week I do. I can catch okay. up in a matter of minutes, but uh, hours, in fact. <clears throat> All right, and then we've got to find a roundtable. So if you're listening, and this is something you want to be involved with, please reach out. You can reach out on Facebook. Uh, you can DM us on Facebook or um, Instagram, or you can email us at theagency.podcast at gmail.com. And let us know if you if you want to be on a roundtable talking about succession. I think it would be a really fun idea. I think that would be really fun too. Uh, I, I was thinking about the idea of having round tables where we would have several people and we could introduce some different kind of personalities to the discussion. Uh-huh. Cool idea. On on, on particular uh, issues or yeah. shows, or, shows or whatever. Or yeah. Well, Succession has a lot of potential because of its, um, it's like Ozark in that it's a very closed world, a very carefully constructed universe of characters. And yet, Maybe because it isn't just cliffhangers. Well, that's so unfair. I loved Ozark, and it had a lot of cliffhangers. And it did tell us a lot about our society and about capitalism. Yeah, it just seemed like Ozark reached a point where it was all about the plot twists. <clears throat> yeah, but at least they only kept it to four seasons, right? Yeah. And they resolved it. They didn't compromise. The family won. There was no... um you know, there was no come up. It's nothing. They won because the house always wins. You know, I think that's what the point of the story was. <laughs> so far, we have to change that. So do let us know if you'd like to take part in a, a round table and how if there's a lot of interest in doing that, um, how will we choose the participants uh, any way we feel like? Yeah, it's yeah. I think the answer uh, for the that- best show. Wouldn't it be great that we have 20 letters saying we want to be a roundtable? Well, then we have people for other roundtables that Correct. we could do. Correct. I'm I'm good about doing that. That's fine. All right. So I hope you don't have too bad of a storm. We had a, we've had a lot of crazy weather here, lightning and thunder last night and the night before. So it must be going up your way from New York City. Oh, it's very, very bad storm now. It's oh, just pouring. I, I, just, uh, I just said the word New York City. I forgot to say how much I love New York City. New York City is the greatest place on earth. Every time I go there, I fucking love it. But I'll tell you, I love it even more today. Bless their little hearts. Well, I, I think it's it's going to change the political dynamic in America, isn't it? Um, for instance, what happens if... The, the mandarins at the, in the republican party reject trump right some have but, but if, i don't know if if they if he doesn't have the strength to 
become the Republican nominee for president, right? then likely he would just become an independent nominee for president. So he'll have his chunk of funny. voters. The rest of the Republicans will have a chunk of voters. Yes. And the Democrats will have a chunk of voters. And that's going to change the whole dynamic because it's going to split the conservative vote. Well, you know what? You made a great point because maybe Republicans would never want him. They'd be very, maybe that's what he had over them was the well, fear I, that he would go independent. Uh, I think time's going to tell. This may have opened a floodgate because there's the investigations around the insurrection. Yes. Uh, there could be charges there. Yes. There's other investigations going on as well around taxes and that sort of thing. Well, and we might find that now that New York has decided to prosecute, that that will make it easier for other jurisdictions to prosecute as well. Well, there's, we, there's we, not we may just see that. that Trump is under a, a lot more pressure, legal pressure. American journalist. Elizabeth Jean Carroll has been pressing to go to court for rape. Uh, she has claimed years ago that he raped her, at, I believe, at Bloomingdale's in one of the change rooms. And it's taken this long for it to reach mainstream media. I think this is one of the most incredible stories, one of the most incredible legal aspects of the whole thing. There's another woman that said um, that he raped her, too. And I, I did read the the uh, court documents on it, if they were real, and it's very disturbing. Um, but Jean Carroll, she is a journalist, and she used to write for Elle magazine. I just loved her column. I think that's why I probably noticed the story, um, was because it was a beloved column in Elle magazine that I used to really love advice. Anyway, she's been pushing, pushing, pushing for this uh, rape trial. And um, she got permission, her lawyers got permission to enter in certain things that Trump was trying to hide. So one thing that is amazing about this story is you're right. Um, Marjorie Green Taylor got kicked out of New York. Now, is she going to be worried about her following by associating with Trump? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, she does seem to be a very disturbed personality. So at that point, maybe you don't have um, uh the kind of thinking to think I should move in a more positive direction. Yeah, it's it's crazy because everyone who likes Trump is denying this and not interested in the indictment. They're calling it still like this is bullshit. It's well, and we haven't seen running. the protests that that Trump had predicted. Not we yet. We haven't seen his base um, rise up. Not yet. Uh, and that's going to be very interesting to see. I mean, is... Uh, are you advancing towards civil war in America uh, or is this a turning point where maybe that's not going to happen? I I don't know. Maybe time I don't will either. tell. Yeah, maybe it'll fizzle out. Maybe it, it's too hard to have that level of protesting. You know, protesting and keeping that going is very difficult. And it usually does have to change into um, lobbying and, you know, into your small towns and changing all that, or something like Wisconsin. Wisconsin turning over after Black Lives Matter and uh, Rittenhouse murdering those uh, people and getting away with it in Wisconsin um, during the protests for Black Lives Matter. So now we might be seeing it take something like that for people to go, ah, maybe we need to change and get more active. 
in community. I don't know. You're right. I think this will be interesting if he has to go independent. I never thought of that. It's a great point. Or whether it will visit. It just seems like when people like him, I like I, I know a lot of people that supported him. I haven't. I don't want to say anything to them because I don't want to shame anybody or embarrass anybody. The news is doing its its coverage. Everybody knows what's going on. You know, I don't know if if those people are going to change their minds. They're going to think this is a witch hunt still because their pride is involved in it. Well, and also they've they've invested a lot in uh, the yes. position. They bought all those red hats. Yes, it's it's hard to back away from a position once you've got the red hat. True, and it's it's so different than um, look at. Um, because voting was more private, people didn't necessarily put the voting out there and, and put themselves on Facebook. They didn't have Facebook. Uh, what about uh, Nixon? What happened when Nixon was... There's still people who love Nixon and thought that maybe it was a bad deal or maybe he should have done that. That's how you should do it. Should have, shouldn't have got caught. But most people are like, that's a shame of the country. That's like a terrible tragedy of the country, of the political system. And it's... It's hard to see. Is this going to do a Nixon kind of effect on Trump or not? Because it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> I was so fascinated by the um, some of the indictments yesterday that it was catch and kill. Um, because I'd heard about, I, I hadn't really, I, I didn't expect that. I wasn't really sure what it was. I thought it was going to be January 6th. So I was My like, only what? question is yeah. if they were catching and killing all the negative articles or as many negative articles as they could about Trump. Look at all the negative articles that snuck through. I know. A lot of negative articles You're, snuck that's through. That's what I'm saying. What is you know, I mean, it's point? just like, this is just like the porn star articles and, <laughs> and all of that kind of stuff. It's, I mean, the guy is like such a grifter. It's crazy. Yeah, I feel like right now I can imagine his followers saying, well, who cares if he had a, a baby out of wedlock? At least it wasn't an abortion. There you I go. I can see that, you know. Um, I mean, the baby out of wedlock story and the doorman. I, I knew Stormy Daniels' story, but I didn't know about the doorman and this this mother, uh, Madougal, I think her last name is. I, I haven't heard that story at all. Well, the indictment, specifically the catch and kill, was to kill the story um, with the National Enquirer. Did you hear that? I thought it was to kill any story. With the National Enquirer. Right, but they have audio of him thanking someone for killing the stories. And wow. they and I guess the blood drained out of his face. That's what I heard on NPR by people that were there. He looked really rather surprised. Um, he didn't know what the indictments were either. Uh, some of them. And it's a woman that he had a baby with out of wedlock, paid $150,000 through Michael Cohen um, to keep her hushed up and paid a doorman who also knew about this story um who now is going to be a witness i see so this was all and there, there's there's actual witnessing accounts and apparently some audio so this should be pretty interesting um whether or not that will break him because again i can see people saying hey at least he didn't make her have an abortion you know because we're looking at that same dynamic you know, and we've voters. already heard him say the most vile things yes. and that doesn't seem to correct in in the world that's called america that doesn't seem to have a lot of sway i know it doesn't it's not and it's not all of america it is a certain area that feels they are hard done by because they don't have the world they believe they had they don't have that magical uh norman rockwell thomas kincaid 
fantasy world of pastoral suburban life. I'd like to know what they really thought that was in the first place anyways. It was still suicide and drugs and drinking <laughs> and corruption back then. It didn't yeah. just start now. Anyway, yeah, it should be interesting. So I love this bribe story and the rape story. I mean, Jean Carroll, God, I hope she gets her day in court. I hope they can indict him on that because it's taking a long time. <sighs> yeah, and you know, and from my point of view, sitting up here in Canada, it's great to see the guy who gets away with all kinds of ugly shit get his comeuppance. Yes. And yes. and I think there's a lot of people are just cheering that on, cheering oh, the prosecutors God. on. Absolutely. Just, you know, let's just bring this character down Absolutely. a few notches. Yeah. And 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 uh I've forgotten his name now. I, I, I had it in my mind. But the uh, DA or the main prosecutor, he was so wonderful yesterday on the news. He was so eloquent. It was really he's like we should not be allowing this to get away with whoever you are. So pretty interesting stuff. Even if it'd be interesting to see how much it changes in the next couple of weeks. And all of this will be going on if and when he wants to run for president. All mm. of this uh, legal stuff will be going on then. Well, if he's forced to take his legal stuff more seriously, he may back away from running again. Mm -hmm. They asked him not to say anything incendiary. Yeah. <laughs> good, luck. good luck with that. Right. I wonder what it was like getting home last night. <laughs> That's all I could think about was Melania waiting at the door. Because did she know there was a baby out of wedlock? Did she know that he paid that? I mean, this is fascinating to me. I mean, this woman now has a book for sure. She should have that book deal. But she probably had to sign a non-disclosure agreement to be married to him. <laughs> probably. Oh, definitely. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. Yeah. <sighs> but she could get she could get a pay a paycheck by just writing an expose for sure not that we need to know anything more about this guy's measly penis oh my god <laughs> what are the chances of his friend and colleague jeffrey epstein and him having those dicks and stay goes candy of course they have small mushroom dicks that's why they're who they are <laughs> it's like oh yeah that does make sense yeah you're right somehow i'm sensing the title for this episode is is emerging <laughs> <laughs> oh no <laughs> okay well text it to me i don't know what you're thinking yeah i'm not sure where what it's going to be but small you know we start talking dicks? about mushroom dicks okay i think it should be small mushroom dicks i like that <laughs> well eugene how are the pets Oh well, Bonnie is is a bit afraid of the thunder, so she's um, under the desk at my feet. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think of that. The cats are okay though, right? Oh yeah, the cats are cats aren't afraid of anything. Uh, True, you know, life here is a lot better than life on on their home planet. I'm sure they they just hardly have any worries at all <laughs> or, here, or life on the streets. Yeah, yeah, good. All right. Well. I guess we'll be I'll back at you all next week. Yeah. Or or not next week. Yeah, I forgot. We don't have a week. schedule anymore. No, we don't. <laughs> so we might see you next week. We might. But we might not. 
cousin Darren Rance, stay up, homie. To my brother Chris Butler, stay up, homie. If you locked in the box, keep making it through. Do your time, don't let your time do you. To my brother Mikey Mike, stay up, homie. To my cuz JB, stay up, homie. If you locked in the box, keep making it through. Do your time, don't let your time do you. a man that would die for his daughter. Just to let him breathe, and I definitely die for Jesus, cause he died for me. Get my eyes to Stevie Wonder just to see what he's seen, but then I take him right back to see Martin Luther's dream. I dream that I could tell Martin Luther we made it, but half of my black brothers are still incarcerated. Locked up in a cell block, lost from the shell shock. Some sold they soul, others used to sell rocks. Look up in my mailbox, I get letters from my cousin every week. Said he wanna hit the streets, but he never struck a deal. 